You're listening to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. I have a question for you. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the college recruiting process? You have come to the right place. Jill will bring you expert tips and interviews with special guests to help you take a deep breath and know, yes, you are moving in the right direction to find your college team. After this podcast, don't forget to head to Jill's shop page to purchase her two guidebooks that will make everything in college recruiting much more clear and simple. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Jill Hicks here. Welcome back to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. Today's topic is the difference between level 10 and college requirements. Now, some of you might be listening to this podcast and going, I had no idea there was a difference. And I would say to you, I totally understand that. If it's not explained to you, which many kids and club coaches often are just working so hard to get the skills needed to move kids up the levels, They don't often take the time to break this all down for parents. And also, they probably feel like you just be the parent and we'll be the coaches. And so I think often there's this confusion for the parent. And that's why I thought this topic would be at least kind of helpful. Now, I know it's still going to be a challenge for many of you as parents, and that's good. You don't need to know all the technicalities. You need to get to be the parent. But I think in general, it's really important that you realize there's a difference when the judges sit down at a level 10 meet and what they're judged upon based on the difference at a college meet when a judge sits down to judge the girls. There are big differences. And many of you might say, yeah, We don't see very many 10s in club like we're seeing in college, especially this year. I'm noticing it. Um, Well, part of that is we have so many amazing world champions, Olympians, very high elites that are competing in college this year um, versus maybe years in the past. There just seems to be a lot of very strong routines this year in college. Um, which is really great for the sport of gymnastics. It's really great for TV. Um, I hope we don't overdo that type of scoring to where tens become a score that's thrown out so often that they aren't really the best routines. That would be not great for our sport in the end. But it is good that we are you know, seeing so much excitement and energy that's coming from all that's going on in the NCAA right now. Because quite honestly, without TV and without the hype, you can see, you know, sports fade away. So there's a balance in all of this. All right. So today we're going to break this down um, briefly and Hopefully, it will help you be able to understand why um, maybe your athlete is not getting responses, your gymnast, or maybe she's not getting responses from the schools that she thought she was good enough for, 
And it could be just a matter of some of these details that she might not be aware of that she could change in the future. So, um, and hopefully it just brings more clarity. So when um, the recruiting process for your daughter moves along, you have a better understanding of some of the basics on this topic. All right, so um, oftentimes what I hear is when you, of course, when you're watching the meets on TV, which are on right now, it really looks easy in many ways. I mean, sometimes you'll see someone fall and you realize how hard some of these skills are, but overall on TV, it really does come across like my daughter does all those skills. They could probably make that team. Um, and it does, it can look really easy. There's so much energy, there's so much excitement, there's so much cheering, but when you break it all down, there's actually technical systematic deductions that are going on that could, you know, are different from one routine to another. So we want to keep that in mind as, you know, you're thinking about what's ahead maybe for your daughter. And one thing that's very challenging in the sport of gymnastics is it is very technical. Um, you don't shoot a basketball into a hoop and get automatic two points. Um, and in the sport of gymnastics, there's so many deductions that can happen um, that, and meet to meet, it can change. I'm hearing that a lot. So a lot of families are saying, you know, we go to this one state and compete and the scores seem really high. And then we go to another state and they seem a lot lower. So there's a lot of variables involved, obviously, in the sport of gymnastics that are out of your control. And so hopefully I can bring some wisdom to some of the concrete um, more type of things in the scoring system and the differences, like I said, between level 10 and college. So here we go. Um, what I often also hear is that I have 10 start values. Why am I not getting recruited or even getting responses? So here are seven different items that I think are, you know, some of the basic things that I see that really separate kids from division one down to division three. It's not so much the start values as it is the deductions that they're getting. And number one are form issues. I would say form is the biggest difference between division one level 10 gymnasts and division three. Um, number two, the gymnast doesn't realize there are different requirements for college than level 10 start values. So we're gonna go over that in a second. Number three, feet, 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 feet. And that's a really tough one for parents, especially, and I know a lot of parents listen to my podcast, but for parents to even know, what do you mean feet? I don't even see your feet. I'm just watching her out there smiling <laughs> or, you know, making her tumbling passes um, or she stays on the beam and you're excited, but you really have no idea that every time she moves, every time she does a skill, if her feet should be pointed and they're flexed instead, 
that's a deduction. That can add up to quite a bit. Number four, bent knees. Bent knees can be very subtle. So uh, when you think of a bent knee, you think of it all the way bending, but actually in gymnastics, it could just be a slight curve um, that can create a deduction. So if they're in a handstand out of their, on their series on beam, for example, doing a back handspring, they're upside down, their legs are split. You have the um, situation where you could lose almost two tenths if your knees are curved instead of locked, maybe less, but you know, that's a lot. And then a back handspring, you have two legs that are split. So guess what? You could lose two more tenths. You could lose four tenths just on the back handspring layout on the beam if your legs are not locked. That's four tenths. That's like a lot, you know, they probably won't take a tenth for each one, but you know, it adds up really fast. Number five, not hitting 180 in any leap on beam or floor is a huge deduction, leap or jump. You have to hit and show 180 split. So if you're short and you're doing your leaps and you land them and you are no wobbles, but you never hit the 180, it's a massive deduction. And that's for both beam and floor. And there are some kids who are so tight in their hamstrings or hips or, you know, when they split, they just can't hit a 180. It's really hard for them. So that's something that really needs to be a focus um, because that deduction is so high. Number seven, or I'm sorry, number six, many gymnasts have no ballet background. So like I said earlier, the flex feet or what I would call flat-footed feet impacts both beam and floor. That's 50% of your all-around score. So if you do your beam routine and you do your floor routine and you are flat-footed, you never on high releve, some judges are going to take tons of deductions on that. Number seven, those confident stuck landings on all four events could be the big difference between division one and division three in terms of recruiting. So those are just some of the things visually that can be deducted differently at a college meet than maybe even a club meet. Now, I'm trying to say those seven items are what college coaches have on their brain when they're watching recruits. They are looking for clean gymnasts that don't have these types of form issues. Okay, so now let's really break it down. What is really the difference between college judging and level 10 judging? So routines in college start at a 9-4. So routines in college, the girls need six tenths of bonus. The routines in club start at a 9.5 and go up from there for the bonus. So you can see right away the start value point or where they start from is different by a tenth. So some special requirements are two tenths of a deduction in club, but in college it can be all the way up to five tenths. That's, I'm not going to go into all the details of that because it gets really complicated, but that's a big difference, right? So now let's break down all four events. So on vault, there's a vaulting table for level 10, and there's a vaulting table 
for the judges for college. And one of the big ones you always see is a Yurchenko layout full. Many girls do it. That starts at a 10 for club, but only a 995 in college. The 10 start values are very similar otherwise, but very hard to achieve. So if your daughter has a 10 start value vault in club, she's gonna be very marketable for college and she can do it consistently with good block, good form, all those things that's really needed in college. Bars, there's more emphasis in college on hitting handstands and sticking the landings than you are gonna see in club. It just is a fact. So, uh, but the requirements in general are similar on bars. However, in college, they do want to see a major single bar release, and you cannot do a giant, giant double back and be up to the level start value wise in college. Um, so you have to have a little more bonus. Um, you may hear the term, wow, she is a great bar worker. That is something I wanted to mention because some girls have a natural tendency to be really good at their swing on bars and more natural. And that's something I can't explain. Sometimes it's from coaching, some technically, and sometimes it's just the way an athlete does bars. Their lines are long and tall and they have good um, flexibility in their shoulders. So their handstands are crisp just by nature. They're straighter and longer looking. And when they tap, their swing is um, different rhythm than a girl who muscles through bars. So that can make a big difference there. Um, on beam, the college coaches um, are looking for two D saltos. And that's because of how the requirements are. Whereas in club, you don't have to have two D saltos to be at a 10 of start value. So that's a difference um, for beam. Now beam is often almost every girls um, that I work with through all the years, they have 10 start values on beam. So all the, almost every recruit can get to that 10 start value for whatever reason on beam. And the difference maker on beam is going to be consistency and confidence. So if everyone can get to the 10 of start value, but they have bent knees, flat feet, can't hit 180, um, but they build up their bonus in other ways and can start at a 10, but they've got all these form issues or they can't stay on the beam, that's gonna be the deal breaker between a division one recruit on beam versus a division three. And then we have floor. So also the big difference is the college coaches want 2D tumbling passes. Whereas in club, you can start at a 10 without that. You can get your D bonus from like a leap or jump. You can't, the college coaches um, have put it to where they want the D saltos in their tumbling. And the bigger schools will want an E tumbling pass. So that's the big difference there. Um, also in college, you can get an extra 10th of bonus if you do a double back in the last pass. 
officers. That is not an option in club. All right, so some other smaller items they're looking for on floor, which separate division one from division three sometimes are being able to do your tumbling passes and land with your chest up and only take a lunge um, behind you one step or in front of you um, without movement and basically landing it securely with your, like I said, chest up. They wanna see you able to perform your routines. They wanna see originality. They wanna see that performance quality. So if they can see you have that in club, that's gonna separate you out. And you have all those other requirements I just mentioned. But the big thing is that you have confidence on that event in everything that you do and you're not flat footed and you can hit your 180 leaps and jumps, all those kinds of things. Now. We know that every athlete who is a junior in high school is gonna be a lot different and progress by the time they get through four years of college and even two more years of high school maybe or club gymnastics. So remember, remind yourself, I'm just sharing the epitome, the top, the echelon of what can be achieved, but the girls are going to work at all these things every single year and progress little by little. And then hopefully when they get to college, you're gonna see them even progress more in all these areas. So they might become more of a specialist on a couple events and really become more solid on those events versus trying to do all around, for example. And um, I'm just amazed at so many girls that were my clients in their high school years that are scoring nine nines and tens in college. And I, you know, it's not that I wouldn't have expected it, but that's what happens sometimes is, you know, when they're only doing their very best events and maybe a different coaching style or technique they're learning, it can really catapult their college years. So keeping an eye on just the idea that, okay, as a parent or as if you are a gymnast listening to this, the little things matter. The details do matter. And if you can clean some of those things up that I just described, and you can show college coaches in your training footage and point that out in your comments on Instagram and really be mindful of these things, um, it can really change the trajectory of, of your recruiting. All right, so thanks for joining me here at College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. And um, I will be talking on this topic even more this week on my Facebook Live and continue to keep striving. And I like to say, you know, give 100% every single day and improve. Try to improve by 1% every time you are in training you are at meets, uh, reminding yourself that really meets are education and try to take off the recruiting pressure off your shoulders and take it one day at a time. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in Jill Hicks Consulting's advising services, 
head over to www.jhicksconsulting.com and click on the Get Started button to fill out your forms page. One of our advisors will give you a call. We're in your corner and we'll talk to you soon.